0: Welcome to the Sunday edition of CNN Five Things. I'm David Ryan. I'm ready. Okay, great. Don, I'd like to start with this. Who was Trayvon Martin? Uh, well, Trayvon Martin was a teenager living a teenage life. Living in You're probably going to hear a lot about Trayvon Martin this week. That's because this Saturday marks 10 years since he was killed by George Zimmerman. And I'll level with you guys. I hadn't even graduated college yet when this happened. So I wanted to learn more about how this tragedy was perceived at the time and how it has shaped the fight for social justice over the past decade.
1: But he was a kid, as far as we know, um, just doing what kids do on his way to the convenience store, actually returning from the convenience
0: store. So um, I called up CNN's Don Lemon, the host of Don Lemon Tonight. He anchored much of CNN's coverage when this story first broke, and he remembers it well. He began by telling me what happened on that fateful night in Sanford, Florida. February 26th, 2012. George
1: Zimmerman was out on a personal errand uh, and ran across Trayvon Martin coming back from the 7-Eleven. Hey, we've had some break-ins in my neighborhood, and there's a real suspicious guy uh, It's Retrieve you Circle. So he calls 911, and he said there's this guy. He looks suspicious. He looks like the guy that I've seen. He's got his hand in his waistband. He's wearing a gray uh, hoodie, a dark hoodie. This guy looks like
0: he's up to no good, or he's on drugs or something. It's raining, and he's just walking around looking about. OK, and this guy, is he white, black, or Hispanic? He looks black. Are you following him? Yeah. Okay, we don't need you to do that. Okay. <laughs>
1: and he said, um, I'm going to chase after him. And the 911 operator says, we don't need you to do that. But George Zimmerman does it anyway.
0: 911, do you need police, fire, medical? Um, maybe both. I'm not sure. There's just someone screaming outside.
1: He I runs after you know, Trayvon Martin. He follows him. Uh, they get into an altercation. So
0: you think he's yelling help? Yes.
1: And he ultimately shoots him.
0: All right, what is your first gunshot the person is
1: dead laying on the ground the audio tape you can hear the struggle and then you hear the gunshot and then ultimately uh, Trayvon Martin loses his life
0: now Zimmerman didn't deny he shot Martin he says it wasn't self-defense but what happened next was interesting because you'd expect instant anger after that right millions in the streets Don says it didn't happen like that it didn't
1: immediately spark outrage. It wasn't even a, that big a story. And I remember being, I was the weekend evening anchor here on CNN. And I remember this story had a, a tough time getting traction. People didn't cover it. On the tape, Zimmerman said, "He, yes, I believe he's black. On the tape. And so Zimmerman there were activists said, yes, like Reverend Al Sharpton uh, and Ben Crump, Crump the attorney, trying to get some attention to this story, local attention, national attention, whatever whatever attention that they uh, could get. He had a 9 millimeter gun. Trayvon Martin had a bag of Skittles. Where is the self-defense in that? There was this petition for Change.org to call for Zimmerman to be prosecuted for murder, and then by the end of that month, it began to gather more than 2.2 million signatures, and people started, you know, figuring it out. Hello, everyone. Don Lemon here. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to begin with new developments in the story that is galvanizing the nation. And so we put it on the air. We put Benjamin Crump on the air. We put the, the players involved on the air. George Zimmerman is not under arrest, perhaps in part because of Florida's Stand Your Ground law. But what does that law say and does it really apply in this case? We're talking with legal and law enforcement experts. And, and then people realize like, this is ridiculous. Why is this person who is not even a police officer, who is acting like a law enforcement agent, how can he get away with killing someone? Why isn't he in jail? Why isn't there more attention to this? And then it started to um, bubble up. And Don says a simple piece of clothing quickly became a symbol. After that 911 call got out and he was talking about a hoodie, you know, people were uh, afraid to wear hoodies. There was this whole thing about maybe he shouldn't have been wearing a hoodie. He was looking like a thug. Trey? Trey? People here in New York put on hoodies like the one Trayvon was wearing and marched through the streets of Manhattan. There was this campaign called the Million Hoodies March in Union Square in New York City. They want to know why a teenager armed with nothing deadlier than Skittles, iced tea and a cell phone is dead. This is a tragedy. A couple of days after that, President Obama spoke about Trayvon Martin for the first time. You know, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon.
0: And the Heat weighing in on the Trayvon Martin tragedy.
1: There was a game in Miami with the Detroit Pistons where some of the team players had sneakers with messages, rest in peace Trayvon Martin, and we want justice. I mean, it it was a groundswell of a lot of different people speaking out uh, about getting justice for Trayvon Martin and his family. The breaking news that we're getting here on CNN from the public information officer out of the Seminole County Court is that we have a verdict in the George Zimmerman trial.
0: They did not get the justice they wanted. Zimmerman was acquitted of second-degree murder and manslaughter in the summer of 2013. And of course, what was so devastating about the months and years that followed was that we kept hearing similar stories. Then in 2014, you had Mike Brown. And we learned more names.
1: Eric Garner was in 2014. Dontre uh, Hamilton. It just kept
0: happening. And let's not forget, it happens to black women as well. And Don says, out of all that pain and outrage, a slogan was born. Between 2012
1: and 2014, from Trayvon Martin to Jordan Davis to Michael Brown, Black Lives Matter started to take off. Black Lives yeah! To get out and let them know that we wanted we hold you accountable we know that this is going down we know that you're doing this i've worked since i was 15 and a half years old and god damn it my life counts my son life counts as a community we count when we got here just a few minutes ago no one was here and we walked down from the main drag here down to Canfield Drive. Just and so after each of these shootings, there were protests. The biggest protests, though, were for Mike Brown. I was in Ferguson for weeks. And within a matter of minutes... Hundreds of people had a symbol here, and you can hear what they're The interesting thing was, you never knew what was going to happen. Uh, I think we're about to be arrested because we're standing on the sidewalk, and you said you want to— Move out of the way, sir! From day to day, from moment to moment, you had no idea what was going to happen. Come on, let's go! So that's what's happening here. So people are here, and they're standing—
0: And remember, there was no video of Michael Brown's final moments, or Trayvon Martin's. We couldn't see how it played out for ourselves. But in the years that followed, that started to change, especially when it came to encounters with police. Whether it was body camera or bystanders whipping out their phones, the video became central to so many of these stories. How has that kind of changed the equation when it comes to these calls for justice?
1: I don't think that any of these cases would have been adjudicated. I think they would have been swept under the rug if it were not for the videotape. Oh,
0: you think pretty much nothing would have happened?
1: I don't think anything would have happened. Hmm. Once again, police beating up on people, But then you had uh, Eric Garner, which was on video. Get off of him now! not responsive right now! And then George Floyd, where you had the nine minutes and 29 seconds, where I would sit at the television, and even now, and just talk to that video and say, OK, that's enough, that's enough, get your knee off of his neck. The videotape makes a difference. Every single time, and it's made the difference in all of these cases if there was videotape of it.
0: Now, part of the reason I wanted to talk to Don is because after so many of these killings, he's been right there to talk with the families who have been left behind to grieve and to fight. You've had many conversations with Trayvon Martin's mother over the years. What sticks out to you about her over the past decade? Man, I got to
1: tell you. Out of all the interviews that I've done over the last 10 years, I think the, I've been impressed by a lot. Do you t- go around the house, in the kitchen, do you talk to Trayvon? Absolutely. Mm, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think that Sabrina Fulton would have to be at the top of the list of impressive, strong women. Impressive, strong black mothers who have been carrying the weight of this burden on their shoulders for decades. No, the hardest part for her is going to be the homegoing service because there, no, there is no words that can bring comfort to her as a mother by seeing her son in the casket. And I say Sabrina Fulton is was the mother that really kicked it all off and has been really carrying all of these other mothers and showing them how to do this with the amount of dignity that, that they can have during this process. You have to focus on when he was smiling, mm-hmm. you have to focus on his first day of school, and you have to focus on Christmas Day and things like that, the, the, the happier times, and, and put a picture up when he was happy. Yes. Okay. And you have to focus... And listen, Sabrina Fulton was the mother that started the Mothers of the Movement. It's sad that there has to be a movement mm. for people who are killed, black people, mostly bl- black men, who are killed by police officers, or people acting as if they are law enforcement. Okay. That's what I told you, we have we each it. other. We got it. We got it. We got it. We
0: got it. Don, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, David. It was a real
1: honor doing this. I just honestly wish that we didn't have to, that it was a different subject.
0: We'll be right back. Welcome back. Here's something else happening this week. CPAC gets underway on Thursday in Orlando. Former President Donald Trump is set to headline once again, but the big conservative conference will also feature possible 2024 contenders like Ron DeSantis and Mike Pompeo. Notably missing from the lineup is former Vice President Mike Pence after Pence said Trump was wrong when he said the Vice President had the right to overturn the 2020 election. The Sunday edition of CNN 5 Things is produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Rind. Our production manager is Matt Dempsey. Our senior producer is Muhammad Darwish. Our supervising producer is Greg Peppers. And the executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. Special thanks this week to Shanique Clark. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and a review. It really, really helps other people discover the show. Have a good week. I'll talk to you later.